Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 2, Episode 22 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. Pea Soupers, oh my, have I got a treat for you. It's the first of a two-parter. It's with my friend and fellow organisational psychologist, Sarah Bonner. In Part 1, we'll get to know a bit about Sarah and hear some insights into her career history, including a major change of direction, and we'll get a glimpse into her groundbreaking research, which explored the experience of black women in the UK creative industries. It's called Tapping Into Black Magic, and the findings are extraordinary. People Soup is a podcast that takes evidence-based psychology and behavioural science with the aim of making it accessible, useful, and fun for humans at work and beyond. This is based upon a foundation of contextual behavioural science and other complementary psychological approaches. We aim to make our content interesting for humans, whether you're curious about psychology in the workplace, a psychologist, a leader, therapist, team member, anyone really who reflects on how they show up at work. It was psychologist Abraham Maslow who said, a first-rate soup is more creative than a second-rate painting. That was the inspiration for this podcast. More than ever, the world of work is a heady mix of people, behaviour, events and challenges. When the blend is right, it can be first-rate. Behavioural science and psychology has a lot to offer in terms of recipes, ingredients, seasoning, spices and utensils. Welcome to People Soup. Before we go on, a couple of reviews. Yesterday I was delighted to spot a couple of new reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I'm going to share two of them with you now. The first one is from Melanie Liu from the UK, and the title is Binge Listening to This is My New Favourite Thing. I absolutely love it. Thank you, Ross. I could listen to your voice all day long. I love the warmth and gentle humour. Weaving storytelling and highlighting the principles of act. Really helpful to refresh and to reconnect and love the takeaways too. Keep up the good work. Wow. Thank you so much, Melanie Lou. The next one is from Dilek and the title is Inspiring. I just listened to season two, episode 17, and it really inspired me about thinking on my values. People Soup is one of my favourite podcasts. It's full of interesting ideas, and I love how Ross makes everything easy to remember by outlining the takeaways at the end. Dilek, thank you so much for that. I really love that you've both taken the time to share what you think, and I'm obviously very flattered that you like it. It really helps reinforce for me that what I'm doing is is reaching some people, and they're finding it worthwhile. So thank you very much. Right, on to this week's episode. Let's crack on with the interview with Sarah. Pea Supers, I am sitting here with my friend and fellow psychologist, Sarah Bonner. Sarah, welcome to People Soup. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here. Hello, Pea Supers. Thank you, and I'm delighted to have you here. We're going to come on to the main reason why you're here in a moment, your award-winning research, but there are a few things we need to do first. As you may know, we have a research department here at People Soup, and they've been doing a bit of digging on you. Have they? Yes. So I just wanted to run this past you because, obviously, as good scientists at People Soup, we like to present you with our data. Yes. And then see if it's correct or or misguided. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) So, they've described you as a person who used to have immense power and influence over what we bought each other for Christmas and in terms of consumer goods from a well-known supermarket, Tesco. <laughs> yeah. 
That's true. Your researchers are very good. Thank you, thank you. They um, had to dig deep for that. But well, I think they might have done, yes. But we'll come, we'll come back to that a bit, because I want to know a little bit about your, okay. your career, too. And there's a note here as well, and I don't know whether this is true, that, that you're also a bit of a gin aficionado. That is true. Okay. I do love a bit of gin. Are you into the different, like, flavours, or is it...? I do like the different... I don't... I like the different flavours, mm. um, it, but it's all about the tonic as well. I'm oh. a bit of a tonic snob. Oh my gosh! Mm, absolutely. What does that mean? Is that like do you do you a turn fe- your nose up at Fever Tree? Or? No, I love a Fever Tree and a okay. Fentimans. Okay. Yes, but I don't like a Britvic. Sorry, Britvic. Well, that bang goes that sponsorship <laughs> yeah, deal. Exactly. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Okay. Sorry, Jordan, you're not going to eat for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> and it also says here you have some cycling skills with your steed of choice, apparently being a penny farthing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> of course. You know. Interesting choice. Yes, when in London. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I tend to hop on the penny farthing, Cut, yes. Cutting quite a dash. <laughs> um, um, another piece of interesting research. I've also heard that you may have been one of the most dedicated fans of Bros, the boy band. And now just slyly going to have a look at your shoes to see if you've got gross bottle tops on them and you don't, which is frankly a disappointment. It, it is. I'd just like to apologise to all the other brossettes out there. Brossettes? Oh, if I'd remembered that. I was a big Bros fan. I really, really loved them. Okay. Yeah. Favourite song? Um, Cat Amongst the Pigeons. <laughs> I can't believe I can remember that. <laughs> that was a slow one, wasn't it? Was it was a slow one. It was really heartfelt. What was the next line after there's a cat amongst the pigeons? I think it might have been, there's a pain in her chest. <laughs> I think that's a lot. <laughs> um, oh dear. I might, if I can be bothered, verify that and put it on the show notes, but I'm not that inclined Maybe. to check, to be honest. You're like, end of interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a couple more from the research department. They bumper crop, really. Yeah. I personally have spotted your highly admirable capacity to, like a cool and useful Mary Poppins, produce a surprising <laughs> number of bottles of wine from quite a small bag. <laughs> um, this is true. See, uh, I'm nailing it. If I mean, if I can carry three bottles of wine in my bag simultaneously, <laughs> then I will do white, yeah. red and rosé. There you go. There you go. Everything and this isn't covered. like one of those camelback bags <laughs> with a straw and then it's not as you're walking along. But to be fair, you're bringing them to a, a dinner. I was, was bringing them to a dinner yeah. for three of us. Yes, yes. <laughs> but my final piece of research, we met um, sort of during after a lecture that I was doing at City University of London. And then shortly after, we met at the Brighton and Hove Psychology Network event yes, here in Brighton. Yeah. And when we met, for the first nanosecond, I couldn't place you. I knew I knew you, but I couldn't place you. And then I realised, but what radiated from you was your extraordinary wave of warmth, friendliness and love. Aww. And which made me a firm and devout member of the Sarah Bonner fan club. Oh, thank you. That's a lovely thing to say. I say what I mean. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. We'll have a hug later. Okay. Fine. I don't want to risk knocking the mic over. Okay, fine. Anything. We'll hug it out later. Yeah. There's cool. a lot of love in the room now. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot yeah. of love to give. Right. And one, one question that I, I occasionally like to ask guests, and I say occasionally, I think I've only asked one other guest, okay. but I'm thinking it's an amusing thing to ask. Uh-huh. If 
for the next few weeks, you can have a piece of music that announces your arrival whenever you enter a room. Uh-huh. What would it be? This is, this is a tough one. Yeah. Um, because I think, like most people, I'm probably quite programmed to say Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no. Sorry, I just took a mouthful of coffee there. <laughs> um, but why do you say like most people? Well, it's it's what you think of when you enter a room, isn't it? <laughs> uh, possibly. Is there anybody else you know that would enter the room? We will ask the pea soupers. <laughs> would, would anyone else immediately think of Eye of the Tiger pea soupers? Let's do a poll. Yes, we'll, we'll do a poll Help on the show. Help me, pea soupers. Um, so did you stick with Eye of the Tiger? No, I didn't. Okay. It was just for a second. Okay. Um, and then I thought about it, because I can overthink things. <laughs> Don't speak to my husband about that. And I actually thought about a track called Phenomenal Woman by Lauren Vula. Oh. Yes. Phenomenal a Woman. Phenomenal Woman. And it is, it's, an, it's a great song. And it's just her talking about no one ever told her that she was beautiful. It's about her grandmother, actually. Wow. And um, it's just about how she realises that she has this amazing inner power. Not that I'm saying I think I have got this amazing inner power, but I'm learning to appreciate it. Wow, thank Um, you. I love that. And unfortunately, I don't know the song, so I can't ruin it for you. Oh, that's fine. (laughs) But I will put a link to it on the show notes. Would you? Yeah. Lauren Vule is amazing as well. I referred to you having this amazing influence over what I bought for people at Christmas from <laughs> Tesco's, which is a reference to to your previous previous roles in your career. So yeah. just just tell me how you got to this stage because you're now a, an organisational psychologist, yes. but you, you weren't always there. No, I wasn't. I've had quite a varied career actually. I've been really really lucky and I've done some amazing things. Yeah. Um, I started off after doing, going to university, I did a sports science and English degree. Um, I thought I wanted to be a sports psychologist initially. Oh, wow. Um, so there's always been that kind of interest in people throughout my career. Um, and then I realised that I couldn't, I just couldn't afford to do a master's at that point and I just mm. didn't have the time. So I thought I'd start work straight away. So I started off actually, my first job at university, I was um, an editorial assistant on a newspaper. And then I wrote my first article for them. So I went away and got trained up as a local journalist. I worked on a local newspaper, which all my friends thought was very funny because they thought I was going to be writing about cats stuck up trees. Yeah. Um, there may have been one or two stories about that. <laughs> I'm sitting in like parish council meetings till 11 o'clock while people debate how much money they're going to spend on a fence. That's the kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff you would do. That sort of hot. It was a hot bed of news. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, but I cut my teeth and you meet amazing people and you learn this skill to be interesting other people, you Mm. about being interesting other people. So then um, after I did a a year or so there, I went back to the newspaper, so it was a national newspaper and I wrote on a female team Um, and I thought I was going to change the world with my Mm. stories, um, which I didn't do, but I got to write about some exciting stuff. But hello, you don't know, you may not have changed the world you may have changed some individual's experience. I really hope so. I hope I helped people to maybe think about things in a different way. Mm. And that's 
kind of all you can hope for, really, when you're writing these articles. Sure. Um, and then after that, I took a slightly different turn. And whilst I still wanted to work with Word and editorial, mm. I kind of went into a more project management side of things. So I went to work for a media agency um, near home where I kind of started there. I'd started that project management kind of stuff and I started working a bit more with data, mm. uh, which was very different for me. But I worked with the most amazing team. It was really good fun. And then after that, I decided to go into account management. So that's when I was kind of, I had internal stakeholders. So I thought I really liked this whole mm. building relationships, managing people. Um, so I went into account management and that's when I kind of went into this content marketing uh, world where you're producing content that um, influences people's lifestyle, lifestyle choices, editing yeah. selection. <gasps> and that's what I started doing. So I managed clients mm. and I managed teams of people to produce content sometimes under very stressful conditions i can imagine it's all kind of last minute like hold the front page we want to put this on the front or um, sometimes it was like that but sometimes it was about projects that you would plan for eight or nine months oh crikey so, like, like for christmas yes for if i was doing christmas you would have a brief for christmas the following year the christmas before you oh, just finished christmas grief. so you would finish you would start christmas in january and finish yeah. christmas in september and then you would be doing all your wash-up and your debriefs and you'd start the next round of Christmas. So you were always working. So you'd always be shooting a Christmas dinner scene on the hottest day oh, of the year. And there was one year, I remember, we were shooting and the art director was in this studio in this amazing building and he actually had to cut off his own trousers because <laughs> he was so hot. He was like, I need to be wearing shorts. So he cut the legs off his trousers on the hottest day and we had to have fake snow and everything like that. So... Um, Oh, it was it was an amazing experience it really was hard work sounds like high pressure high pressure um so lots of keeping calm under pressure lots of rallying people mm. and keeping them calm so that's where i kind of really found my what was really my calling which was i kept on thinking about what bits of my job do i love the most and i love creative industry i love all of that i love being mm. able to create stories and images and kind of just thoughts for other people to kind of think about and invest in mm. um but what i enjoyed the most was watching the team and finding ways to keep them happy wow and that's what i realized i was actually quite good at that yeah. Just watching, being a real people watcher and listening to how people responded to questions. So they would come in, in the morning mm. and they'd walk past my desk and I'd be in the morning. And however they responded, whether they, just the tone, the intonation, their body language, I'd always be really sensitive to that and thinking, there's something wrong, there's yeah. something wrong. So I'd send them an email, <laughs> are you okay? Is there something wrong? Yeah. And then I'd take them out for a coffee and then we'd realise there was something wrong and I would obviously send them home or do whatever I could to kind of help them get through yeah. their day. And that's when I realised I want to do that for a living. I want to learn how to make people happy. Wow. Day to day. Wow. And when, when you're talking about that, you're absolutely lit up. Yeah. You're beaming from yeah. ear to ear, P-Supers. There is a big beam. There's we'll a catch a photo beam. of this a bit later on. <laughs> But it, you're really lit up yeah. when you're talking about that. It was it was a real it was a big moment that I decided because I just turned forty when I did decide to change direction mm. yet again. Um, so it was a big it was a big decision, and 
I felt a bit lost, although I loved my job mm. as an account manager, as an account director, and I really enjoyed what I did, but there was just something that wasn't... I just... I knew it wasn't what I should be doing. There was something... I love the way you're... Yeah. For the, for the P-Supers, Sarah's just, like, pointing to the centre of her chest. Yes. Like there's something inside yes. that needs to... Something in my very core... Something fundamental to you that needed to be... Yeah. Express exactly, and you know it in my type of behavioral science act. Yeah, we talk a lot about finding finding our purpose and using that as a guide for who we want to be. Yeah, and I guess career is one of the most the biggest things in our lives. Absolutely. So what happened? So I realised this, and I thought, okay, so I kind of I talked about it that weekend at home, and I thought this is what I want to do, but I didn't know if you can actually do that kind of thing. Mm. I'd also been watching Billions at the time as well. I don't know what Billions is. Billions is a programme anyway about money. Anyway, there was a character in it called Wendy and she is basically their in-house organisational psychologist. So she would take the... These were stockbrokers. She didn't do it for good, but what she did, she would talk to them and Mm. find a way to kind of really tap into their behaviour and bring out the best in them. And she, within one session, she could change their whole mindset. So do I need to check out Billions? Check out Billions, check out Wendy. Where will I find it? You might be able to find it on Netflix, maybe. I will check it out. Maybe on Amazon Prime, I think. I'll check, check both. But Wendy was just this amazing, awesome character. And it's not, I didn't want that, but I wanted, I kind of thought, that's an actual job. People can do that for a living. So I thought about it, I did a bit of research and I went into work one day thinking, you know, I'm going to give it another six Mm. months and I'll plan this properly. And then something just happened and I just thought, actually, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell them I'm leaving today. And I hadn't even told anyone I was going to do it. Oh my God, goosebumps. Yeah, it was, I just went into work and just thought, and it was like something else took over. Like I was observing my myself go through the motions of finding my boss having a meeting it was quite dreamlike and telling her I've realized I need to think about my work-life balance it's time for me to go and it was quite a big shock for everybody I think everyone thought I was going to be there I, I mean if I'd stayed I would have mm. carried on growing and developing and I would have taken on more responsibility possibly being a business director or something yeah. I love the way you described you. You're kind of watching yourself. Yeah, and it just... Something just felt right. Everything just slotted into place. And I gave them three months' notice. Mm -hmm. And I then went about the process of finding a course. Right. Because I hadn't actually... So I'd handed my notice without, A, having a course, being accepted (laughs) on a course. So I frantically was a went to look at different universities. I went to one university and it wasn't right. And I remember leaving, crying, going, what have I done? I just quit my job and this is not right Mm. and then I went to City University Mm -hmm. and I went to the open evening and there was a talk from Julia Dr Julia Yates who is amazing and Paul Flaxman as well Flaxy's baby and (laughs) I just felt at home I read the prospectus I read the description of the course and I was this is the course for me and I Mm. just stopped looking at wow. anything else I'm quite when I've made up my mind about something I'm quite I'm getting that impression hell yeah but I am like a procrastinator it. I mean give me a menu <laughs> and I have really bad FOMO right but when it comes to something like that I was like this all just feels really right I applied went for it 
did my got oh everyone God. to write because it's quite a long process because you apply and yeah. then you have to get other people to give you references yeah, and yeah. then you have the interview who so, was your interview with I had Julia. Ah. I had Julia. She, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Apps. I have so much love for Julia. She's amazing. Well, I think we're both fangirls oh, of Julia. Let's absolutely. let's let's get that, that out. I mean, there. I think it's the law. If you meet Julia <laughs> yeah. and you don't fall in love with her within about, I mean, how long did it take you to fall in love with Julia? Um, under a minute. I yeah, would I would say I'm saying 35 seconds. Yeah. yeah. 35. Absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, and I'm kind of probably exaggerating. <laughs> but no, she was amazing. She made me feel really at home. She understood it. And I think her opening question was, so why do you want to do this course? And I said, well, I turned 40 this year. And she went, just stop right there. I understand. <laughs> and then we had a big, long conversation. And it was, it was really nice. And she was brilliant. Mm. Yeah. And was she your supervisor for your She research? was my supervisor for my dissertation, yes. Isn't it nice when, when things happen and everything just seems to slot into place? Yes. Yeah. Is Because you took that, if I may say so, a bold-ass move, thinking you were going to wait six months and then just going with that instinct. Yeah. And it was a huge gamble. And mm. I think sometimes, you know, you have to do what's right, what mm. feels right to you. I, I mean, I was our breadwinner. Um, yeah, I have a, I have two children. I'm married, and yeah. it was a huge responsibility. So what I was asking for from my family was massive. I was mm. asking to spend our life savings, and for them to trust that I was moving direction, and I and I felt that this was a right the right thing for us to do as a family. Wow! Um, and they were all amazing, and they supported me 100. percent my goodness, that, I feel like that's this degree wonderful. belongs to them, not to me. Well, <laughs> to all of you. Perhaps. To all of us, yeah. So it wow, was. Wow, Sarah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I really had to follow my gut, and it worked. And, and over this process, did you have any. You know, I talk a lot about those unhelpful thoughts popping up. Did you have any of those? Loads. All I'm the so time. relieved to hear you say that because PC supers will be used to me banging on about <laughs> unhelpful thoughts yeah. and how. But you had that sort of beacon of this is who I want to be. Yeah, this is where I want to go. This is what this is what I know is going to make me happy. Yeah, happy. I'm, I'm fairly happy, but I just knew that mm. when I think about my core and my values, I really and now I understand. I was obviously finding a way to live my values wow. and kind of that trying to align what I valued with. In, for me as a person in line with my job yeah. and how I live my yeah. life I didn't realise that's what I was doing but now I know that's what I was obviously doing yeah. and I obviously had a very strong instinct to do that Wow and do you mind me asking would you if you wish just giving us a sample of the theme of those sort of unhelpful thoughts um, if you wish no absolutely the theme of those unhelpful thoughts were what do you think you're doing <laughs> why have you done this you know yeah. this is so hard yeah. um, you're going into a world that you know nothing about you have to start again mm. everyone knows more than you you're Ooh. not going to be good enough at this yeah. how on earth do you think you're going to be good enough at this um and like you're never going to know enough to be able to do, wow. and and it was those things all the time. Like, oh, how do you think you're going to write? You know, even essay to essay whilst I was doing the course, it was always this strong battle of it's not going to be good enough. It's not going to be good enough. So what? You know, you're going to have to work ten times harder than everybody else for this to be good enough. Yeah. And then are you even going to be able to find a job? So there's that there was that constant internal dialogue going on 
whilst I kind of somehow did find some kind of resilience to go, no, come on, this is this is right. I also tried to tell myself, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm. You could do this and it could go wrong, mm. um, but at least you can go back to a job and a career. Yeah. You have a skill set that yeah. you can still use, so nothing's wasted. Yeah. It might just be that you have a year to just refresh, re-energize, mm. do something different, and then you've got more choices. So I try to think about the positives in that situation yeah. as well. Well, hats off to you. For, for doing that but also for, for studying when you have a, a family as well you have your responsibilities as a wife and a mama yes wowzers yeah and something else you said it's, it's really just embodied act for me is that you're moving towards this thing that you know is so important whilst you're having these unhelpful thoughts yeah. which sound quite brutal they, they are brutal and I think everybody well I can't say everybody I think lots of people have these mm. brutal thoughts and I think when you're slightly lost mm. and you're tired and you can't quite see where yeah. you can't see where it's going you know you're moving in the right mm-hmm. direction but you don't know where you're going to end up but the amazing the inspiring thing about you is you you kept moving I kept moving but I think I'm quite <laughs> determined in yeah. that sense like if if I have something to do even if it takes me days and days and days and days, and days to do it if I've set myself a goal mm. I will always try and achieve that goal wow. because I'm my own worst critic I am I'm really hard on myself which is hard because I am a bit of a perfectionist I've learned to dial down my perfectionistic tendencies but I think that comes from my childhood and it comes from when you are a black child raised in an all-white environment Mm. there is a level of expectation you put on yourself you have to be better than everybody else because you don't you can't you don't operate on the same plane yeah. there was an expectation that you were always going to be worse so you were constantly proving that you were as good as or better than so you kind of approach everything from that mindset that i've got if i'm going to do this i've got to be better than the average because otherwise i don't stand a chance i can't compete with everybody else wow that's quite that was quite big, wasn't it? Yeah, blimey. I, I've no idea what to say to that other than, blimey, Sarah, you're an absolute inspiration. Not at all. There's so many other people going through the same thing. I know, but if, if we can share this, and like you were saying with your newspaper work, if we can maybe just share this and yeah. inspire one other person, yeah. then hell. Yeah. Come on, P-Supers, you can do it. Yeah. If you think you want to do something, just take the risk. The risk is worth it. Just have a plan. Have a plan. If it, yeah. if it goes wrong, then that's fine. But sometimes yeah. it's worth taking the risk. Gosh, thank you. So, you're now, I know you're now in a role as an organisational psychologist. Tell us a bit about that. Um, yes, I'm working for a small boutique, I think that's the word we boutique. use, boutique agency um, called Three Minute Mile. Um, we're a really small team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put a link to Three Minute Mile on the show yes, notes. Yes, please do. So we are um, one of a very few Hogan distributors and accreditate. We're um, a distribution partner and we run accreditations as well for Hogan. Right. Um, for the ports, for the P-Supers who don't know about Hogan. Yes. I'm no expert in Hogan, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a suite of what we call psychometric... Tests, yes. instruments, tools. tools, tools, thank you. And there's one 
that is really famous in sort of our circles that the it's gained a nickname. It's called the Hogan Development Survey, but uh, I think we call it the Hogan H- the Dark Side. The Dark Side, yes, the HDS. So um, there are three tools that Hogan has to offer, and you have one called the HPI, the Hogan Personality Inventory, which is about the bright side of you. So it looks at your behavioural tendencies, um, your preferences on a day-to-day basis when you're self-monitoring. Mm. So the great thing, I should probably go back and say, the great thing about Hogan is that it is not about self-identification. It's mm. not about how you are likely to perceive, represent yourself. Mm. It's linked to how other, it's reputational. So right. It's about observed behaviour. It's how other people are likely to experience you. Okay. So when you do take the tests or the assessments, the answers you give mm. are linked to how people would describe somebody who answered like you. So right. therefore you get this reputational piece of work. Gosh, I didn't know that. So that's why it's a really good tool, mm. because it's not about how you mm. would, would like to potentially see yourself. It's yeah. about how other people experience you. And reputation is actually more useful in terms of in a work mm. context, because it's about measurable, observed behaviour right. that is objective. Yeah. So it's an objective way of measuring personality, and that's why it's so useful and effective. Wow. So I need to get my ass trained in Hogan, I think. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant. Because you're using it, I guess, with clients, but also doing training. Yeah, so we, we use it with clients. So it's linked to, it can be, you can have a number of different reports. Mm. So I'm doing a piece of work at the moment where we're looking at people, their bright side, and then how mm. that's linked to their safety behaviour. And we can measure it, and there are certain competencies within a safety report that we could look at. So it's really good. It's a, it's a really good thing. So you can use the tools independently. So you can use the HPI, which is your, you, your bright side, your bright mm. side. You can have the HDS, which is a dark side, which is you, yeah. how you're likely to be perceived or experienced when mm. you're under stress, pressure, yes. when you're bored or complacent. Yes. That's, a really, that's the one that everybody really likes. So that's, yeah. that's it's interesting to see. And then the other part of the tool, the suite of tools, is the MVPI which is, it looks at the core. So we have the bright side, the dark side, then you've got the inside, which is Mm. your values and your motives and your preference. So we look at what drives your behaviour. So when we look at what drives your behaviour, what's important to you day Mm. to day, we look at kind of whether behaviourally you're equipped to be able to demonstrate those values Mm. or not. And that's how we look at the HPI. Gosh, you know, I've never heard anyone describe it in such a... a, uh what's the word, captivating way. This sounds like a great suite of tools. I I kind of never really knew that much about Hogan, so thank you. It's really great. And we also do um, the Kaiser um, LVI, the Leader Versatility Index as well. So again, we're doing lots of leadership development work. so yeah, I'm behaving. So you're based in London? We're based in London, we're based in Hammersmith. So you go to a station and get in your penny farthing to go I get on my penny farthing, yes, I do. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and then do you have clients around the globe, the Cl- country? Yeah, clients around the globe, around the country. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. And, they, and they, obviously the, some of the consultants do a lot, so we have lots of associates, mm. some of the consultants do lots of executive coaching mm. as well. So when you were back in... Tesco's. Um, <laughs> well, I work for an agency called a marketing agency called Cedar. Okay. And our client was Tesco. Sorry, sorry. No, okay. When you were working for the marketing agency mm-hmm. and you're thinking, this is what really lights me up, this is what ignites me, and this is what I want to do in your career, my career. Are you there? Yes. 
Woohoo. I can honestly say I used to I, thank you I used to hate people that said I love my job and I'd think you're such a liar no you don't who can love their job that yeah. much and I've now turned into one of those really pious people <laughs> because I really like my job I feel that I'm actually doing good I'm helping other people be their best self well and again I mentioned you were sort of beaming before again you're quite a smiley person anyway, but you're absolutely glowing when you're talking about this. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. great. It's amazing. One of the key reasons I asked you on the podcast was your research, mm-hmm. your prize-winning research, which I believe was a prize from Indigo... Indigo Gold, yes. Indigo Gold, and it was an innovation prize. Yes. And I believe you were the... Can I say you were the runner-up? I was a runner-up, one of three runners-up. Right, you, you was robbed. But anyway, <laughs> the title of your research, listen to this, PC present, and Sarah's now going to bring this research to life for us, but it's called Tapping Into Black Magic. Yes. What a title. I adore that title. It's, it's a, amazing. It's a good title. It kind of grabs your attention. How can, can you introduce us to your research? What's, what's, what's the best way to take us into a journey on your research? Oh, um, I think the best way to take you in is to kind of tell you about why I yes. thought oh, I good. needed to do it. Tell me the why. Tell me the why. The so what and the why. So um, coming from a background in media, uh, as a black woman in media... That I'm obviously interested in uh, the statistics around female leadership and how many black women there are in leadership roles. I was also interested in diversity quotas as well and the underrepresentation of black minority ethnic people in the media and the media industry. So I was really kind of looking at that and I was really interested in that world, coming from that world too. But what I was more interested in is I'm interested in about, whilst there's loads of focus and attention at the top of that chain in terms of how do you get more women Mm. and black people into leadership positions, I was thinking, well, it's all very good focusing at that top end, but Mm. what happens at the bottom end? If we... If we're not getting people to leadership positions, we need to think about how we're, how we're recruiting them and helping them work their way through that talent pipeline. Mm. If we don't understand what's going on at the bottom end of the ladder, yeah. how can you address the issues at the top of the ladder? So that's why I was really focused on it. And I just wanted to understand what was happening. What were the experiences that young black women were having at entry-level positions that were shaping their experiences and their Mm. perception of the industry. What was potentially causing kind of hidden barriers, challenges to their career and their career progression? Wow. P-Supers, I've I've, I've read the executive summary and also the poster you did for the the, the prize day, whatever it's called. This is such an amazing piece of work that just... It, this you. this needed a light shone on it, yeah. and I'm pleased in that the, the people soup can shine a little extra light in it and share your research with a bit of a Thank wider you. audience because Thank I think you. it's oh gosh, it's so blooming important. It is. So I'm going to read out a bit from your executive summary just oh, just to set the scene because um, I just read the the first paragraph and I was absolutely hooked. Oh. So. 
So it's titled The Problem. Mm -hmm. Despite working towards an industry target of 40% female representation and 15% black and minority ethnic representation at senior levels by 2020, there is a pressing issue that creative organizations need to address if they are to live up to their liberal reputation. This troubling issue is the underrepresentation of black women within the creative industry. Even though black women have the creative capability, their talent is not being recognized or fully utilized within the marketing, advertising and publishing sectors. So P-Supers, that's it, the end of part one. I can't wait to share part two with you, but I really hope you enjoyed finding out a bit about Sarah and particularly about her career change. I thought that was really fascinating. Next week, we'll hear more about the amazing research. Sarah, it goes without saying, was an amazing guest. And I'd also like to thank Martha for being our audience for this episode and also for taking some cracking photos. You can get in touch with me. I love to hear from you at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at peoplesouppod. On Instagram, at people.soup. And on Facebook, at peoplesouppod. And if you haven't checked out our shiny new website, you can see the show notes there at peoplesoup.co. Thanks to Andy Glenn, as ever, for his spoon and music magic. And to you, P-Supers, for listening. Thank you so much. Have a great week and bye for now. You should be like on an advert for Hogan or something. Do you think? Yeah, oh, three, well, three-minute mile as well. Get a, get, you should be all over the website. <laughs> Doing pistol fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they would love that. I'm sure Robert Hogan would really like that. <laughs> yeah, I'll drop them a line. Thank you, please do. <laughs>